0: High tides surged ten miles over the Texas mainland, and she and Harry had to scramble from the boat and leave it in the muddies of Buffalo Bayou and run for dry land. Three days later, while they searched for any remains of his father's boat, they found nothing. The girl saw the body of a dead boy caught in a tree, his face the color of horse's teeth and his limbs black, his feet dangling out of the branches like a bird's broken wings. In a dazed state of fatigue and fear about what had happened on the island, she and Harry made do on the mainland with shelter and help from charities and churches, then returned to Galveston Island eleven days after the storm, when the railroad bridge was finally repaired, and by that time everyone unaccounted for was presumed dead. Boatloads of recovered and mostly unidentifiable corpses were dumped into the Gulf, or, if they washed back onto the beaches, Burned in funeral pyres. The girl saw those fires as she and Harry crossed the bay by train, and from a distance they looked like candles burning golden in the gloom of that dim, gray morning. As they entered the stricken city, however, grim reality set in. Bodies were still washing back onto shore from the gulf, and many still lay in twisted piles. The girl stopped walking and stared, but Harry grabbed her arm and steered her away. Don't look, he said, and forced her to walk on. They passed heaps of splintered wood left behind from what had once been houses, bloated corpses of animals, and haggard people wearing threadbare clothing camping out in crumbling schools, churches, hospitals, and the convent. Huge piles of debris lay everywhere. Not even the stench of burning and decaying bodies and stagnant water or the black scum that covered everything had shattered the girl's hopes yet. She imagined finding her family alive and telling them how she had survived. Their first day back on the island was perfectly still. Blades of grass were already sprouting amid the rubble and shining a vibrant green, and as the cloud cover cleared, the sun beamed down yellow light, the sky sweeping and unmarred, altogether cleansed. She and Harry located the street that had been Avenue Q and found it, like most of the city, in shattered ruin. They could not even know for certain where the girl's house had stood. Realization came to her in one clear and vicious moment. Even in that bright sunlight, she felt the absence of them in her chest, her ribs, and her every breath. She stood without moving, her hands numb and clenched at her sides. She and Harry searched for his house, too, but found nothing but wreckage, and then checked at various shelters and camp-out spots. But no signs of either family surfaced. Along with 6,000 other islanders, plus thousands of others elsewhere along the coast, their parents and siblings had perished. She and Harry didn't even bother to search for her father's souvenir shack, which had once stood on pilings down on the beach. The girl opened her mouth to say to Harry, They're gone. But no sound came. A big, hard stone sat in her middle, making it difficult to breathe. Their families had simply vanished. She drew a tight breath and tried to speak again, but her voice had gone strangely missing too. She needed to say the words aloud. She needed to say them in a voice bold and big enough so that she would have to believe it. Harry tried to console and comfort her, but to no avail. And so they wandered more, then came to the steps of City Hall, which was badly damaged, but had withstood the storm. They sat side by side, their losses soaking into their cells, even as the last of the storm water finally evaporated. She tried to say those terrible words again, and then she tried to say anything, anything at all, but her mouth refused to work. She could force her lips into the shapes of words, but no sounds ever emerged. Harry asked, "What is it?" He leaned down close to her face and peered into it. "What's happening to you? Come on and speak up about it. You're safe. And we're going to figure it out together, you and me." She opened her mouth and tried again. For his sake, for the worry etched into that weary face that no longer looked as if it belonged to a teenager. She wanted to tell him she understood. She was breathing. She was alive. She wasn't knotted in those piles or lost to the deep legions. God or the heavens or someone had decided that she and Harry should live. But why?